hey, if I take this apart and then touch the thing that's broken, like the fawns, maybe it'll suddenly start to work again because I'm, you know, magic. One night, without mentioning it to anyone, I painted Rick Ocasek, the lead singer of The Cars, on my bedroom wall in acrylic paints. Like the fawns, like the fawns. Hey, it's Dan Class. Welcome to The Bitterest Pill. I am uh, recording, as always, under the flight path here at Los Angeles International Airport. Uh, how have you been? So, I'm not going to mention the fly that's in here, and I'm just going to press on. Okay, because normally, normally I would mention that there's a fly buzzing around my head, but I'm not that guy. I'm bigger than that. I would never fixate on something that you can't hear that doesn't actually affect the quality of this program. He just, he's flying now in front of my face. I'm not, I can't mention it. So listen, I've missed you. How have you been? I think the last show, the last show was such an odyssey in every way. I don't even remember when it came out. I think it was last week or maybe this week. I don't know. I do know that I, you know, I, I've been numbering the shows since November 3rd, 2004. I've been numbering these shows. One, two, three, four, five, seven, blah, 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 right? And I'll admit I haven't always done it flawlessly. Last time I did it very horribly. Now, I don't know if you're keeping score. And, and this isn't really going to be relevant until about 10 years from now. About 10 years from now, someone's going to look at this show, which was 336, and assume that it was recorded before last show, the two-parter, which was 337. And maybe this will just be a little inside joke that we have uh, that we will play on absolutely no one because no one is going to care ever. But this is 336 for those of you that are keeping score. Now, I um, I got a busted lip last night. Now, you know, uh, in, an, in, in an attempt to be uh, macho, you know, I've been studying martial arts uh, horribly for a long time. Uh, on and off forever, right? And trust me, and I've, I make this very clear, I am not good at it. I'm making only minute, pro glacier speed progress is being made in my martial arts career. But last night, uh, I got my lip sort of split open, I guess. I kind of took a punch to the mouth. And whenever anything like that happens, as you can imagine, it everything kind of happens in slow motion. And I could feel, this is going to get a little graphic. This is going to give me the heebie-jeebies. I could feel my upper lip wrapping around my front teeth, which are my, you know, those are your biting teeth. My lip wrapping around those teeth under the pressure of a very well-padded and yet apparently not padded enough fist. And just like... And I could just feel, oh, my teeth slicing a little strip of under the lip off the, oh, gross. And it never hurts as bad as you would assume, but it's uh, shocking. It's shocking to feel your teeth performing surgery on the inside of your mouth. My teeth are not qualified to perform any kind of oral surgery. And then I don't know, you know, how much am I going to bleed on the dojo floor right now? How horrible, is this going to be a horrible bloodbath or is this just going to be nothing or what's going to happen? And as I'm having that thought, my lip, I can feel it uh, expanding. Now the guy that, and I won't say he punched me, obviously we're sparring. I, I let his punch in, it connected with my mouth. That, that's a bad scenario. He's, uh, you know, concerned about me and apologizing and all that stuff. But I can just, all I can think of is tomorrow will be the day that I will get a call for an audition out of the blue. I can just feel it. I'll have a big fat lip and I'll have to make some sort of, <laughs> I don't usually look like I've had my mouth uh, caved in, but yeah. As it turns out, that has not been the case. So what I'm doing is I'm now recording a podcast. But if you hear me shriek, for what seems to be no apparent reason, it is because I have inadvertently bitten my own mouth. 
Now, most people don't worry about biting their own mouths, but I, I would swear to you that in another karate-related incident, I recently, I'm pretty sure I broke or at least badly, badly sprained my own toe. And the toe that I sprained was on the same foot that I stepped on my toe. Do you understand? I stepped on my toe and I sprained or broke my toe and it was all on one foot. This whole operation. The right foot had nothing to do with it. But somehow my my kind of middle toe, as the rest of the foot and all the other toes were moving forward, the middle toe decided, no, I'm not. And it kind of swan dove under the foot and then the foot right down on the toe. So that was very, that was just very black and blue for a very long time. You can walk, though, as it turns out, without using your toes for several days. It's not really a problem. So we'll get back to my health later. Right right now, I want to discuss uh, with you home repair. Now, I don't really have... You know what I mean? There's not a deep story. I don't know that I've really told a, a decent deep story uh, since uh, ever. But what I'm going to do is complain in a certain rhythm... Uh, for about an hour, about things that keep breaking. Does that make sense? Like, for instance, we have these puck lights. When we remodeled, we remodeled our kitchen. I don't even know how long ago. We'll probably say we remodeled our kitchen. I mean, it's long enough ago where now the kitchen looks beat up. It's that long ago, so it's not a new kitchen. And I think I was even doing the podcast during the remodel because I seem to remember mentioning it. Yeah, those were weird times, man. I think we were, yeah, whatever. Anyway, I was just thinking, I think we were doing the kitchen remodel while I was doing the show. And it was about the time that someone in the New York Times printed that I'm a, an addict. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that went over really well because I'm not. So, um, so this, so, but our kitchen is relatively new. Okay. And when we had the kitchen, because it was an old 1948 kitchen and had this little diner booth in it, which was actually kind of cool, but it was a tiny kitchen. And we took a wall down and we put in these puck lights and new appliances like you do. And it looks, you know, 21st century. But every once in a while, these puck lights go out. Now, I had it in my head, and I, I really don't know why, that I had to go to extreme measures to replace the lights in these puck lights. So the puck lights over the pass-through, we have this pass-through, which is a hole in the wall at counter level. It goes from the kitchen to what used to be, in the old days, the quote-unquote office, which is where I used to record the show before the studio was built here in the garage. It is now, and has been for quite some time, Hudson's bedroom. So very weird house i know you don't want to live here okay because we have a pass through from the kitchen to my son's room that we have blocked uh with a my my wife basically made a, a custom made pillow i know we are children we are just oh god it's a piece of foam that she upholstered that fits perfectly in the square just to describe it to you it's the most ridiculous oh god anyway I wonder if you can see it in Melophobia Americana. I could point it out to you. I don't know if you can see it in the... F That's the short film that we did in the spring. I don't... I, I wonder if you can see it. I might have shot around. Anyway, so there's the pass-through. So right above the pass-through are puck lights, as you can imagine. And the puck lights went out. The light went out, you know. And so my wife would say, you got to replace those bulbs because, you know, I have a penis, so I have to do things like that. So I thought I had to go into Santa Monica to go to a special store because we're, we used to get the the bulbs where the guy bought the puck lights, which was one of those places that you go to where really only contractors should go. You know, those kind of places, like the kind of place you walk in and you feel, I don't know what, like a neutered college professor walking into a rodeo or something. But that place closed, so I didn't know where to go to get the light bulbs. So I thought I had to go to this place in Santa Monica that we use, usually go to if we can't find the right kind of light bulb. Now, it turns out, just between you and me, you can get the stupid things at uh, Home Depot. Yeah, it turns out you just can. So you should always just try Home Depot and always just get it done. Okay, so so several months ago, I went to the place in Santa Monica, which is like everything and lights or something. I don't know what it's called, but I went there and I got the light bulbs. 
and put them in. It was no problem. You pull out the old one and then put in the new one and you're done. And that's it. You flick the switch and they go back on. It's great. But these two weird ones over the pass-through, um, they go. They went off. And then I thought I had to uh, replace the bulbs. And then I thought I had to go to Santa Monica. Now, while I was putting off going to Santa Monica over the summer, because I didn't really want to drag the kids to Santa Monica just to get bulbs, right? That's BS. So so I, I admit I put it off. I finally remembered, oh, yeah, I can go to Home Depot. I've got the box from the place in Santa Monica. I can just match it. Boom, boom, boom. So I go. I get the bulbs. Now, this is what I was about to mention, though. While I'm procrastinating, the lights do go back on through some weird electromagnetic twist of fate. I don't know what happens, but the lights go back on. But notice that I said lights, which doesn't make sense. So I'm trying to figure out, I don't know if maybe those particular ones were wired like Christmas lights from the 1950s. And if one bulb goes out, then the whole thing goes out. And I don't remember if that's series or parallel or whatever. I'm not in the second grade. In the second grade, I knew, right, I would have known, oh, I don't know, maybe they're wired in series. I, what, what do I know? Oh, right, but I don't know. I don't know. If you're an electrical engineer, don't, please just don't. But then they eventually went back off. So I got the bulbs and ha, ha, ha. I put in the new bulbs and they don't go on. They don't, they don't. They don't go on. They don't go on. Now, I was having a conversation with uh, my daughter recently, and she was asking me what some of my hobbies were when I was a kid. Because she's 12 and she's very busy because she's a dancer. And um, she grew up, she's growing up in Los Angeles, which is completely different than how I grew up at 12. Well, actually, when I was 12, we lived in England. But when I was 13, which is what I always think of when I think of her, because she's whatever, Rochester, New York, okay? I don't know. When I was 13, I don't know what I did. I, I thought a lot about a girl that I'd broken up with. Like, I don't know what the hell was going on. Thanks, I think. So, but when I was about her age-ish, one of the things I told her about, this is so geeky, but it doesn't matter. See, I'm of the age where when I was uh, 13, disco was a thing. And so I would spend some of my extra money at... at uh, at Radio Shack. And I would go to Radio Shack at Parenton Square Mall. I think it was just a door or two down from Fade Rugs. And I would buy switches and push switches and wire speaker cable. Uh, and probably, I don't know if I ever bought LEDs necessarily. But then what I would do is I'd go in the basement. And somehow I had some old outlets. I don't know where I had old outlets from. My dad, for some reason, had outlets. That's fine. Which is kind of weird because you know what? I have uh, outlets here in my garage for no reason. So my dad had outlets. And then he had, at one point, decided to panel the basement. Because that's what you did. That's what you did in the 70s. You paneled your basement. Now, I don't think he even put up insulation or drywall or anything. I think he might have just tacked up. I should ask him. If he just tacked up a bunch of brown, you know, I don't think he even finished the, right. I think it was a cement floor with kind of like a trench around the cement floor in case it were to flood and then paneling on the walls. But he did make cutouts for the windows, the little basement windows, you know, the really high up, up at the ceiling level. And that, and I'm pretty sure he did put in a drop ceiling though. I'm pretty sure that he, that he did do that. So we had this area in my basement growing up when I, you know, from, let's say, 13 years old until after I went to college. We had the basement, half of which was semi-finished with brown. It had brown. That's right. Oh, my God. This is becoming more and more vivid as I speak. Oh, it was awesome. Okay. This is so late 70s. So we had the brown, dark brown fake paneling. And then we had the support poles because it's a basement and it has to have support poles. So we had these kind of like rust red. They weren't rust. They were painted rustish color, the color rust red poles. And we had this great furniture that I think we got when my grandparents passed away. It was black. Um, what's the Naugahyde? Black Naugahyde with white trim couch and a love seat. 
Ah, oh, they were gorgeous. What I wouldn't give for mid-century black naugahyde. Oh, oh, they were so cool. We had this old bar that my dad had built when I was a tiny kid. It was like a folding bar. I ended up taking it to college because you could fold it. The Somehow, I think the sides folded in and then somehow the top folded down and I could, I swear, I put it in the back of my car and drove it to college. And then there was an old pool table that I think my grandfather, my grandfather, I think he got, somehow got my dad a good deal on that. Or maybe we bought it secondhand. But it wasn't like, like all my friends that's, that had pool tables had those very new looking pool tables that had the very classy basement pool table pockets. So when you shot and the ball went in the pocket, it would go in that little net bag. You know what I mean? Each pocket had its own little little woven pocket, right? Now, I thought theirs looked, quote unquote, better, but I thought ours was cooler because ours looked like a like an old school bowling alley pool table. What I wouldn't give for that old pool table. And I think my dad lugged it from Rochester, New York. Because I don't think we had it in California, but I was I was associated with my grandfather. Maybe my grandfather got it for him and shipped it to New York. Is that possible? But we dragged it to England and back. This huge Brunswick old school pool table that when you got a ball in, it would go down a chute inside the pool table. And it would go down a ramp inside the pool table and then end up at one end. It was freaking awesome. And then also in the basement were uh, piles of wood, kindling, kindling wood and firewood because it was Rochester, New York, and it would snow pretty much from Halloween until Easter. So there were, um, among all these awesome things, random piles of wood that sometimes, like if I knew girls were coming over, maybe we were having a party or something, I'd put army blankets over the piles of wood in case someone needed to, you know, make out on a pile of wood. Now, the reason I bring up this whole basement thing, oh, God, it was awesome, is um, what would I do when I was uh, about my daughter's age? So I would go to Radio Shack. I would get all these switches. I would get uh, outlets, you know, electrical outlets like you have in your wall and wire. And then my dad had a few scraps of paneling left over, which, of course, you don't throw that away. That you keep in the basement near the pile of wood somewhere, I'm sure. And I would make these elaborate light switching mechanisms so that I could put on a light show during our disco dance parties, of course. What, what else? What else? Right? What else would you possibly do? So, yeah, so I would get lights. I would plug lights into this light thing. And then to the, you know, Donna Summer 12 inch, whatever it was. I feel love, I feel love, I feel love. Right? You could push the buttons and make make a light show right there. What's better than that? Not much. And then I think I told my... Did I tell my daughter this? I probably shouldn't have, but I think I may have. And I'm going to tell you, and I may have to... Basically, one day... So, so when my grandfather, who I always assume helped us get this Brunswick pool table okay curly my grand i think when my grandpa curly died um well, a couple things number one he bequeathed to me in his will his dodge dart and unfortunately when he passed away i was still only 14 or 15 years old and the dodge dart was in fontana california and i was in rochester new york i never got that dodge dart we sold the dodge dart do you know how much when I was 16, I wanted that Dodge Dart. And it was an old Dart. I don't know. It was at least from the 60s. I don't know. It was, and it's not like it was a, a cool paint. It was old school, original, just effing cool Dodge Dart. I wanted that Dart. I was the owner. I was officially, probably legally the owner of a Dodge Dart at the age of 15 for over two months. I also... No, I think he gave me this. He gave me a switchblade when he was still alive. That's right. It was like this oriental. No, it was not an oriental. (laughs) 
It was an oriental switchblade. It, uh, no, it was an ornamental. Hi, how are you? It wasn't a switchblade. It was a weird ornamental souvenir. You know, it was like a souvenir you give your grandson, except also a switchblade. But one of the things that I ended up with after he passed away and we got rid of a bunch of his stuff, sold a bunch of stuff, kept blah, blah, blah. Again, why did a telephone make its way across the country? Why did we need, we, no wonder I'm such a pack rat. My God, why, why did a telephone, and there was nothing special about this telephone. It was a standard rotary phone, not necessarily old fashioned, not necessarily new fashion, but it was one of those, and I, I mean, I'd love to have it now, that, you know, you pick up the big old school handle and put that to your ear and then you, you know, dial the numbers on the dial, not the push buttons, but the dial. The kind that if you're seeing like a de detective movie that takes place in the 60s or whatever, it's the kind you would kind of pick up and maybe smash somebody over the head with that kind of phone, like a phone, you know what I mean? Not a big light, but, but, a, but an old school phone. So I knew in the basement we had this phone and I don't remember if I painted it first or not, but at some, at some point I did, because we always had spray paint around. We're a weird family. We always had different colors of spray paint around. So I spray painted it metallic silver and then the, the earpiece and the mouthpiece that you could unscrew, I think I painted those uh, black. But I decided that I wanted to hook it up in my room. But I did also decide that I didn't necessarily want to discuss it first with my parents. So I decided that what I would do when my parents weren't at home, and luckily they were home most of the time because I would have burned the house down. One day they weren't home and I decided, hey, you know what? There's this thing in my room that's some sort of round plate. It must be covering something. I'll take the plate off and see what it looks like. And then we'll kind of go from there. So I, I take this plate off and there's a big cable in there, a big gray cable that I am able to pull out of the wall. So, of course, as soon as you pull it out of the wall, you got to make sure you can pull it back, push it back into the wall. You got to cover your bases right away. OK. So I decide, hey, listen, no one's going to come in my room and take this plate off the wall and see that I've cut this thing open. Why don't I just cut this cable open, see if anything goes apeshit in the house, right? See, maybe the power will go off or whatever. If if I cut this cable and the power goes off, then I'll just put it back together. It won't be a big deal and no one will know the difference. I'll put the cable thing back in there and I'll put the plate back on or whatever. Well, it turns out it was, uh, right? It was very easy to decipher that it was the telephone cable. That when the house was built, right? They run cable all through the house. They only hook up two phones because it's the seventies or eighties or whatever, right? So there's a phone in my parents. I mean, kids remember this is before cell phones. This is before wireless phones. So there's two telephones in the entire house. And I have to talk to my girlfriends from either my parents' bedroom. I don't think so. Or the kitchen. I don't think so. So now luckily the kitchen phone has a long enough wire where I can go sit in the dining room which was, by the way, oriental. But I don't want to do that. So I decide, listen, if this is a cable, uh, this is a cable for the telephone system, I'm going to see if I can figure out before someone gets home and sees what I've done, how to hook up the telephone. So I unhook the entire cable. I strip the big cable. Inside the big cable, there's a dozen or so little colored wires. So what I do is I go down to my parents' room. Their phone is hardwired into the wall. I think, I don't think, I don't think anybody was putting jacks in those days. I, I well, anyway, irregardless, as they say, whatever was in their bedroom, I tore it apart and I saw that it was the same wires. And so I wrote down on a piece of paper, red, green, and whatever the other one was, I forget what the telephone wires are red, green, and like white with a stripe or something. I don't know. So then I went and got the telephone and I, the telephone probably had a jack. So I cut the jack off. I looked at those wires and I connected the red, <laughs> the green and the yellow or whatever the heck it was, right? Connect those wires and I get a dial tone. I get a dial tone in my bedroom. 
with no one home. I feel like Alexander Graham Bell himself. I have a dial tone in my room. Now, what am I, I say, I can't, but I haven't asked, hey mom, hey dad, can I tear the wall open? Can I cut whatever cable is in there and see what happens? I haven't done any of that. So I, I gotta put it back together but I don't want to put it all completely back together. I want to still have this phone and then I want to work up to the whole asking thing. So what I decided to do is get one of my Radio Shack artifacts, which is a small headphone jack. And I figure out that a headphone jack only needs two or three cables. And the telephone only needs two or three cables. So onto the phone, I hook up a little headphone, I don't know what, it wasn't really, we didn't use them for headphones in those days. It was before the Walkman, but um, whatever those little, you know what I mean? It was probably a microphone cable or something. I don't know. So I hooked the little cable part, the pointy part, the male end, so to speak, to the phone and the female end, so to speak, to the wires inside the wall. And then I electrical taped all the other wires back together in a little bundle. I hadn't cut all of those because I had done my homework. And I figure out that I can unplug and plug back in this phone at will into my little uh, microphone jacks. Capiche? Beautiful. Now I don't, uh, I don't really know what made me do this. So while the phone was still kind of a secret, and I say kind of a secret because I assumed that I was leaving the phone in my room and my parents, I think, had a way better idea of what the hell was going on in the house than I ever gave them credit for. But for some reason, one day I went to use my phone in my room while my parents were home and while my father, who was never on the phone, was on the phone. So my dad, who's never on the phone, who's on the phone, hears this clicking sound while he's talking on the phone. And it's the clicking sound of me plugging in my phone that he doesn't know about into the what, right? So he hears the clicking and he yells to the kitchen thinking someone's in the kitchen accidentally picking up the phone because that's what used to happen. If you're on the phone, someone would pick up the phone, right? And you'd be like, oh, I'm on the phone. Oh, okay, right? That's how it used to work. It was a little in-your-house party line. So my dad calls to the kitchen thinking that someone's in the kitchen picking up the phone and he probably yells to my mom and goes, Isla, I'm on the phone. And she's like, what? I'm okay. I'm not picking up the phone. I heard you pick up. What's that sound? Uh Uh-oh. busted. Now, luckily for me, my parents were very cool about anything like that. I don't really understand how they were that cool. I mean, maybe I would be that way, I suppose, because I wasn't out, right? Maybe they were just happy that I wasn't out gallivanting with my motorcycle riding friends and those guys that looked right a little rougher around the edges than I. I don't know, but they were completely cool about, and they were completely cool about how one night, without mentioning it to anyone, I painted uh, I painted Rick Ocasek, the lead singer of The Cars, on my bedroom wall in acrylic paints. One night, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to draw and then paint Rick Ocasek on the wall of my bedroom, followed by uh, uh, my idea of a 65-year-old billionaire. I have no idea. He was kind of portly. He was bald. He had a big mustache, kind of a prominent nose, and a lovely blazer. The fact that my parents never just killed me is absolutely, oh my God. Girly pictures, Rick Ocasek and an old man painted on the wall, nunchuck scars in the ceiling, eh, whatever. And and my home painted uh, telephone, which I proceeded to talk to girls on for the next uh, several years. So why, why do I even tell you this? I tell you this because the puck lights aren't working and... I am no longer, uh, you know, whatever, 15 or whatever that was, 12, 11, 13, hike. I don't, uh, the, the point is, I think I have to open up my kitchen wall, my kitchen, uh, you know, like the cabinetry under the cabinetry, 
In my kitchen, clearly there's a wiring mishap. Now, part of me would love it, would love it, because I love that crap. I do. I should have just been an electrician. I would probably be so happy. I should go work for my friend Jans because Jans puts in like high-end stereo equipment and VCRs and internet and all that stuff. I really, you know what, after we finish recording, I should just call Jans and see if he'll give me a job. I'm not joking. The difference is that I'm no longer 15, I'm 50 plus. And things now go wrong and they go wrong in ways that I can't clean up. And if I can clean up, they take for stinking ever. So as much as I want to just tear into that wiring and pull it all out of there and start troubleshooting, right? Now, part of my hesitation is we've been without a dryer for, I've completely lost count now. It could be one, two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. I I don't know. It's mind numbing because a family of four with no dryer, right? And sweaty sports slash dance equipment, workout clothes and all that stuff and dog stuff. It's just, it's been crazy. Now you're saying, yes, Dan, but all you do is complain about how hot it is and you live in Southern California. Can't you just hang your stuff outside? Yeah, I can, but this isn't my grandmother's house in 1963. I don't have a big clothes rack thing, drying thing in my backyard. Now, granted, when we bought the house, I think there was one out there. My grandmothers, both of them, used to always... That was just like a staple of homes in the 50s and 60s, right? You know do you know what I'm talking about. It kind of looked like an old home-style uh, antenna for your television. But it was, it was a big... God, what do you even liken it to? I don't think anybody listens to this that, that doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Maybe people from another country. I don't know. But it was like you'd have a pole stuck in your ground, in, in your back, go- back garden, in your lawn, right? You'd have a pole... And on this pole was like a rack, a rack, R-A-C-K, usually with a rubber or rope, whatever thing. And then you would hang your clothes on there with clothespins, right? Boom, done. I don't have one of those. People don't do, we don't do that. We certainly don't do that on the west side of Los Angeles, please. Our back, our yards are landscaped. A man comes to mow and blow. We weed. We have hardscape. We don't have a patio. We don't have a cement slab. We have hardscape. Do you, do you understand? So I've spent a week and a half or two weeks, but I have honestly been hanging jeans from the trees. I hang dance stuff from the basketball hoop. Thank God we still have that basketball hoop. Nobody has used the basketball hoop since Hudson was in, I think, the fifth grade. But whenever I have to hang something to dry, it's very handy. I can get three or four things around the netting. It's very good. But just between the, the, the lack of places to hang and um, the fact that we're so close to the airport that we breathe in jet fuel all day that will eventually land on the clothes, right? I really wanted to get the dryer fixed. So now th- this was a good opportunity for me because electrical uh, doesn't scare me. That's why I should have been elect- not a plumber, should have been an electrician. I don't want to do plumbing. I hate plumbing. Plumbing makes me angry. Plumbing makes me very angry. What happened recently even that the plumbing, what started that whole thing? Was it putting, I don't even remember. Well, see, because we have, you know, we, when we, we, we remodeled the kitchen, right? So we've got the faucet because we're modern. So we have the faucet and we have the drinking faucet. And then next to that, we have the, no, 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 excuse me. In the center's the faucet. You got to get this right, Dan. In the center's the faucet. To the right of the faucet is the little breathing thing for the dishwasher. To the left of the faucet is the soap dispenser because you got to have a soap dispenser built into your countertop, right? That's the cool thing to do. And then next to that is the water dispenser because you have to have a water dispenser and it has to have its own filtration system, etc. And I, again, I don't even remember what started this whole charade. I think it was probably just as simple as I needed to get under there and put in a new filter. I, I'm now away from electricity, away from the dryer. We're going to plumbing. 
and then we're going to zip back to the drying, I think. We'll see. I don't know how this is going to go. Okay, we don't know. At this point, we don't know. So I, I have to take a bunch of stuff out from under the sink, and I have to take out the big filter, which isn't really that big. Oh, now I remember what it was. You know what it was also? Is uh, we have a dish a, a garbage disposal, right? This is why we, re we remodeled so we'd have the dishwasher and the disposal and all this other fancy stuff. So actually what happened was the, um, you know, there's a gasket on the very top of your disposal that keeps the sound in and it keeps the chunks of bleh, from shooting into your eye, right? So when you are using the disposal, there's that rubber thing, right? So you push the stuff through the, it's a split gasket rubber thingy, right? The black thing that probably says incinerator on it or whatever. And so ours, you know, it's seven years old or whatever I said. So it's, it was all torn up. So I bought a new one. And being me, six months later, I decided I would install it. So I had to take all this stuff, you know, and, and I'd put it off for so long, but I took all this stuff out of there because I wanted to do it on a day that Hudson was home because the um, video that I found on YouTube on how to do it, the woman who did it, she had to like put 13 buckets under there and she had to have like a two by four that she was using to hold up the, the garbage disposal so she could get it back into place and screw the this and the whatever. It was like this horrific thing. So I was really dreading uh, putting in this new gasket, although I really wanted to do it because it was really going to look much nicer. Now, I was going to do it before our friends Wendy and Svika came, but you know how that went. I was hanging lights and, and shoveling up dead rats. So I get under there and I've got my YouTube. I literally have my laptop on the floor of the kitchen so I can refer to it at any moment, which is how I do everything now. My most important tool is my laptop. Well, and, and not, not to be a sexist, but it turns out that men uh, really do have a lot more upper body strength than women. A, a disposal isn't actually that heavy. So I was so relieved when I was able to just kind of get under there and twist it and pull it down and pull the gasket out. I think I had bought the wrong one. Of course, I had to go and get the right one. But the point is, it was very easy. And then I put the gasket back in and I put it in. Thing, da, 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 da. Now, the crazy thing about this, because I didn't do the, the the filter was ages ago, actually. It was several months ago. So this was just, God, I just made this realization. This is horrible. <sighs> All right, here's the realization that I just made. And I, and I mean, literally just a second. To do this, uh, I didn't really have to turn off the water to to the sink. I did, but I really didn't have to because uh, because I just didn't have to, right? Although I did. I guess I did just in case while I had it all taken apart, somebody lost their freaking mind and came up and started running the water and would have gone everywhere, right? So I had turned, so I put everything back together again. Much easier than I was dreading with like a seesaw and a crowbar and Hudson lying under the sink. No, none of that. It was great. And I get it all together and I go to check it and I turn on the water and I turn on the uh, the, the garbage disposal and it, it does, the sound does sound baffled. It sounds really much better. Much better that you don't hear those spinning blades echoing through the entire tiny little house, right? But I notice over the course of the rest of the evening, the next day, the next day, that something's going on with the water pressure. And I don't know what it is, but there's no, like the water pressure is now half and then a quarter of what it, what it should be. So I keep getting under the sink thinking, well, maybe I didn't put it on all the way. So I put, I turn the water up all the way. It just gets worse. I turn it off. No, then it's off. So I turn it back on and it's getting worse. Every time I touch anything, it's getting worse. Everything is downhill because it's plumbing and it's not electricity and it's not a telephone. So then I have to turn the water off and I take apart the faucet, the top part of the faucet. And that seems fine. It's got a little lime in it or whatever that's called. I take the whole thing apart, the screen. I clean out a bunch of black gunk in there. 
maybe maybe it's shards of rubber. I have no idea what's going on, but I take that whole thing apart. I clean it the best I can. I put it back together. Nothing. No improvement. I then have to take apart the the faucet, the actual faucet part, the fart, not the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The part that turn, they actually turns the water, the, uh, the valve, basically. You know what I mean? The valve in the faucet. So I take that whole thing apart. Nothing. I can't get it to work. So I determine that the only thing it can be is the actual, and I did this so many weeks ago, I don't even remember what it's called, but basically the cartridge that's inside the valvey part must be broken. But the only way to test, right? I don't know. I keep testing the flow of water and no matter what I take apart to test the flow, there's a lot of water. So there's nothing wrong with the water pressure in the house. There's nothing wrong with the water pressure from the house to the pipes that go into the faucet. I can get water to shoot out of where the valve should be when the valve's out of there. So it's got to be the valve, right? So I have to search the internet because, of course, we bought this thing seven years ago. I don't remember. I don't think I even bought it. So I do find a place in the next town over, Culver City, that that will sell the cartridge part that I need. Of course, I have to get it on a day when I've taken the kids to the doctor and to this doctor or that doctor or out to what is the longest day. But I, but I do find a place that will sell me the thing. It's $100 or some crazy amount of money, right? I go home. I'm so excited to finally get the thing fixed. I put it in there and it's a pain in the ass to get the handle back on. It doesn't matter. I turn the water on and it still sucks. The only thing at this point I haven't done is just tear the whole GD thing out and slam it on the floor. Every every other little piece I feel like I've taken apart except for the hose that goes from the valve because it's a long hose there's this long hose that goes from the valvey part down and it just kind of dangles under the sink and then it goes up into the faucet part so because it's one of those you know it's a kitchen so you can pull the faucet part out and use it like a little squirty thing you know what i mean like a handheld little squirty Well, it turns out when I turned the water off unnecessarily to fix the gasket, this is my diagnosis anyway. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. I turn the water off. Then I turn it back on. The pressure from it turning on shoots water into that cartridgey thing. That cartridgey thing gives out and explodes internally, shooting little plastic gears and pieces of itself through the system and it gets lodged into the stretchy pulley pipe that makes it handheld. So finally, when I am on the brink of sanity and I detach that hose and I shoot water through the system, a little like happens, like almost like it it threw it like was choking like I gave it the Heimlich maneuver finally and it just and coughed up gears. That's the only way I can explain. They were gears, gears and a spring. It was like someone threw up a watch into my bucket. So then I had to put the whole thing together, which was fine, but it, and it was finally working. But I now I have plumbing phobia because about a month or two before that, Melissa decided she wanted to put a new hose in our backyard. We had this old, and it probably wasn't even, no, actually it wasn't even that old, but it wasn't attractive enough. What she wanted to do is she bought a box, like a flower box, and she had me stain it. It's a redwood box, right? Uh, not stain it, but kind of stain, uh, seal it, whatever, right? And it matches some other boxes we have plants in, and then she wanted to get a hose that would fit in there. But the only practical hose that would fit in there is one of those coily hoses that are thin. It's a much thinner gauge of hose and it coils like a spring. So she wanted, we were going to take the old uh, hose off the faucet out in the backyard, just outside of the house and put on this new uh, hose, this new squirrely, springy, springy green hose. And then on the green hose, we were going to take the um, 
trigger thingy. Okay, fine. That's that's not a problem. Except I can't get the trigger thingy off the old hose, which is very annoying. To the point where I have to go get a pair of pliers because I can't hold the hose hard enough to counter turn the the trigger. Now, listen, these things should just pop off with a couple of foot pounds of pressure, right? They should just slide off. They're threaded. It's not rusted on there, glued or anything. There's no, there's not even plumber's tape or anything. It should just come off, but it won't. And I don't even remember. I'm going to, honestly, I don't remember if I ever got it off. It's the most humiliating thing in the world. You can't get the little trigger thingy off your hose. So I go to take the hose off the faucet. And that thing won't come off either. Now, when the gardeners were here landscaping or whatever you call the landscaper guys, because, you know, we're in L.A., we have to have landscaping and hardscaping and gravel, drought-resistant grass and brand-new grass and tolerant grass, whatever. We had all this stuff. And I think, I don't know what they did. If they stripped, you know what I mean? Like put the hose on the wrong way and it stripped out the threads or I I don't know what happened, man. But I'm telling you, I cannot get the hose off the faucet. Now, listen, it's one thing if you can't get the trigger thing off the one end of the hose. That's I mean, that's an inconvenience, but it's not the end of the world. But what if you can't get the hose off the faucet? And I can't get the hose off the faucet and I can't get the hose and I'm getting out more pliers and I have these like, like I have crescent wrenches, I have pliers, I have these pliers that open up really wide. I have all sorts of crazy pliers. None of them can do the trick. And of course, my wife has to come out with her hands on her hips and go, damn, just be careful. Just be careful. And I'm like, I'm being careful, hon. Okay. I'm being careful. I'm not, what do you think? I'm going to break the pipe sticking out of the house. It's got to come off of here. This is ridiculous. And I broke the faucet off the pipe sticking out of the house. Do you understand exactly? She came out, said, don't do it. I said, I won't do it in a, in a tone of voice. And then I immediately did it. I broke the faucet. I hate plumbing. I broke the faucet off the pipe that sticks out from under the house on a holiday weekend. Thank you. Good night. Water is pouring, pouring out of this pipe because there's no longer a faucet on the pipe on a holiday weekend. So I have to shut off the water, right? Because it's not in the house. It's not a toilet. If it was a toilet, you just turn the thing behind the toilet. If it was a sink, you just turn the thing under the sink. But it's not a toilet. And it's not a sink. It's the pipe that sticks out from under the house. The only way to turn it off would be either by A, using the faucet that you just broke off, jackass. Or B, turning off the water supply to the entire premises until you can find someone to fix it on a holiday weekend. Yeah. So, see, there's no way around this because... Not only do I have to find someone to come out and fix it on a holiday weekend, I have to tell my wife that I did exactly what she said not to do, even though it was a ridiculous thing for her to say, don't break. Of course, I don't break. Of course, that's like, hey, don't stab yourself in the throat with that butter knife. Of course, I, I shouldn't stab myself. So but don't say is if you say don't stab yourself with a butter knife. Suddenly, all I can think about is stabbing myself in the right with the thing. So she says, don't break off the faucet. I say, of course, I'm not going to break off the faucet. Then, of course, I break off the faucet. Then I have to tell her that I've broken off the faucet on a holiday weekend. Luckily, we had a guy come out. 
And that cost a couple of hundred dollars, hundred, a couple hundred, I don't forget what it was. And it was a couple of trips. He sort of semi, how did that work? Where he sort of semi, I think he just sort of like broke it off or something and welded it shut or I forget what he did, but he had to come back on, you know, Tuesday or whatever it was. But because, so, so, right. So I've had it with plumbing, but that's why when the dryer broke, I was hell bent to fix it myself, even though I know nothing about dryers and it's a gas dryer. It's not an electric dryer. So if it has anything to do with the gas, I don't even know, right? Because it has gas, which means it has flames, but gas is just gas. I have a gas grill, right? So I assume the gas comes in the house. It goes into the dryer. Something catches it on fire. And then it heats up air, and then the air heats up the clothes, right? That It's not that complicated. So, of course, I hit YouTube again, and then I, with the laptop again on the floor, I open up the front of the uh, dryer because I have to check the, uh, what was it called? Basically, the igniter. Is that what it's called even? I don't know, but it's, the, it's like this ceramic thing inside there that it's an igniter or ceramic and metal or something. I don't know. It's this kind of cool, weird, little twirly, sparkly thing, right? It's like the magic thing that lights the fire that makes your clothes hot, okay? So the cool thing was we actually had the tool that we needed. The tool we needed was an, we needed something that had an ohm meter to measure electrical resistance, right? And that way, you know, if there's resistance, there's actually a circuit. And if there's no resistance, then there's not even a circuit. Comprendo, si vous play. Okay, so you want resistance. That means there's a complete circuit. So I open up the dryer. Now, you can't just open up a dryer. You have to open up a dryer, and then for 20 minutes, you have to vacuum out the inside of the dryer because it's been collecting lint and dust and hairballs and everything you can imagine for uh, 10 years. So vacuum, 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 sweep, vacuum, vacuum, sweat. And that's just after taking the front off. Then I take the drum out. And I and I know part of me is like, Dan, this is that whole thing where you're really good at taking shit apart and not really good at putting it back together. Next thing you know, the drum of the inside of my clothes dryer is on the grass in the backyard. And I'm ohm watt meter testing with our ohm meter. We've got a multimeter that we bought Hudson when he was trying to make a, what, a, like a clock out of a potato or something. Now, I was hoping it was just the ceramic igniter because then I would know what it was and I could just get a new ceramic igniter. And I'm Googling prices for ceramic igniters before I even know that it's the ceramic igniter. But when you Google, hey, man, my dryer doesn't work. The first hypothesis that you come upon is your ceramic igniter doesn't work. So I get in there, I pull out the ceramic igniter. It looks like it's in uh, in play. It does not look broken. It does look ceramic. It does look sparkly and uh, covered in fairy dust. But I hit it with the ohm meter and the ohm meter says that it is still making a complete circuit. So I put the whole I put it back in. I put the, the whole thing back together, the drum, the big belt around the drum and the thing that holds the belt underneath the drum, the whole thing, it actually goes together. The dryer still actually turns. It just still does not heat. Now, I had this fantasy, of course, that common fantasy, I'm sure, among men, which is, hey, if I take this apart and then touch the thing that's broken, like the fawns, maybe it'll suddenly start to work again because I'm, you know, magic. So I turned the dryer on, it's still not getting hot. So now, and I did this the next day, but now I have to t- I have to pull the whole thing out from the wall and open up the back of the dryer. That That is like hell back there. If the inside of the dryer, when I open up the front, it just had cute amounts of fuzz, as it turns out. Tiny little newborn dust bunnies. Behind it are feral rabid zombie dust bunnies covered in muck and grease and they're thirsty for human blood. It was so gross back there. There were dust rabbit zombies eating flip-flops and guitar picks and old receipts. It was horrible. It was horrible. 
So I got to put a hazmat suit on and clean that up for a good hour. That was, it was nasty. But I, you know, I unhooked the power and the big uh, silver, uh, you know, the hose, you know what I mean? The exhaust hose of your dryer. The thing that whenever you see it, you want to make it into like a robot arm, that thing, right? So what I have to do though is, so, so behind there, there's one, two, three, four, I don't know, five, four, six different thermostats, right? There's a bunch of thermostats. There's a fuse or two, something like that. So I go back there and I'm actually like a pig in poop, but I'm back there with my ohm meter, right? Ohming away. Everything seems to be right. Making a circuit. I finally get down there where, um, the fu- there's a fusey thing and the fuse ah the fuse is not making a circuit okay so clearly whatever the fuse fuses whatever it's guarding that 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 uh thingy thermostat that's got to be the bad one so i test it and it's it's got four prongs two of them make a circuit two of them don't this has got to be the culprit great i go online and try to find it I think I even go to like whirlpoolparts.com or Sears parts, whoever made the thing. I end up in an hour long text, text chat with some maroon who supposedly is the expert on this. I give him the model number of the dryer. He has the parks explosion PDF in front of him. I keep telling him, you know, what part I need. And he keeps telling me there's no such thing. He keeps saying, well, no, the part you need is the is the 245 uh, uh, J7. And I'm like, no. Well, where is it, sir? It's the one lower on the unit next to the fuse. Well, I don't see that here, sir. Yeah, well, I, I see it here, and I'm the one with the dryer, and I gave you the model number, and why is this taking an hour? Why? See, when, text man, when we're text chatting and you're failing, and then you'll text me some ridiculous question and then I don't get back to you right away. I'm not getting back to you right away because I'm doing your job in another browser window. I've got another browser window and I'm searching for the part that you can't seem to find, jackass. I finally, I think he found it or we found, I think we we had a mutual finding situation. He may have found it. I'm I'm trying desperately to give him credit so it wasn't an hour of completely just wasting my time. So I ordered the parts, not from him, because I was so PO'd by then. I didn't want to give whatever company hired that idiot any money. So I ordered the parts. I can't order them from the same place, but they're going to take a week. No one can give me a shorter turnaround time on these stupid things than a week, which means a week without a dryer. So I'm doing laundry and hanging it all over the house, all over the backyard, from every door frame, every, every horizontal, everything has hangers on it, pants, t-shirts, bath towels, under, there's underwear everywhere. It's ridiculous. The backyard, all the trees, all the basketball hoops, all those doorways, everything, everything has laundry everywhere. It is insane. The fuse comes first and I'm waiting for the, you know, what do you call it? The, um, the thermostat thing and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it finally arrives late one night, late on, let's say Tuesday this past week. And I'm so excited. The little bag, my little bag, my little padded envelope shows up from whoever I won't say who, cause they were good to me. They were good to me. It's fine. It was fine. So I've got my parts. I'm so excited. I have to wait for the next morning. I have to wait till everybody's gone because I have to clear out the whole laundry room and there's a drying rack in there and there are all these shoes in there and bottles of seltzer water and wine. It's ridiculous. So I clear all that stuff out. The kitchen is now full of all that stuff. I pull out the dry rack. I pull out the dryer. I had reattached the back. So I have to take the backpack off, right? I get down there. I'm so excited. I take off the old um, thermostat and the old uh, fuse and I put the new fuse in and then I go to put in the new thermostat and it has been smashed in transit 
the four prongs are facing every which way. Two of them are no longer even attached to the unit. There's black specks that look surprisingly like the ones I fished out of the faucet all over the little baggie that it's in. This thing is not going to get me a dryer with heat. And I've just spent, I don't know, how long emptying out the laundry room to prepare for this glorious occasion. So I had to order it again and pray and pray and pray and pray. I have never been so happy to have a dryer in my premises, in my life. This is more happy than I was, oh, definitely freshman year when there was a dryer in our dormitory. Definitely when we got our first apartment that had a dryer in the building. Even happier than I was the day we bought our very first dryer to have of our very own that didn't require quarters. I have never been so happy to do laundry ever. All right, thank you for listening to The Bitterest Pill. This is uh, episode 336, which for some reason comes after 337. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for uh, for hanging in there and uh, listening and enjoying the show. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you're not listening to it because you don't enjoy that. Be kind of sick and twisted, my friend. We should discuss that. If, if you listen to the show because you don't like it, you, should, you need to write me a letter. Send it to uh, pill, P-I-L-L, at danclass.com. You can stop by the website and see, uh, I don't know, I don't know, see whatever, see what I post, do you even know what I post on the website? Do you, you don't even care, it's at thebitterspill.com. Last time I posted a picture of myself wearing my south side, uh, my north side, south side Johnny, my north side Johnny uh, t-shirt and my custom K hat. Today, I don't know because I didn't, um, I didn't actually tell a story that I thought I was going to tell that I had a picture for. We're going to have to save that one for next time because uh, I'm dying of heat prostration and I have to leave. So, but um, thank you for listening. Um, if you get a chance, do we even do, does anybody even do this anymore? If you ever get a chance and you've never done this, feel free to write a review of the podcast on iTunes. The last time anybody did that with any regularity, this program, and it's, and it's weird to, um, it's weird to, think about it this way but I kind of have to at one time so many people like I at one time I was apparently so omnipresent in the podcasting community that people felt obligated to listen to my show because there are reviews of this podcast on iTunes where you can tell the person felt like felt obligated to like the show listened didn't like it and then they were so upset that they didn't like the show had to take it out on me on iTunes now, granted, I'd rather be in that position now because that's like, you know, Marin territory. But just reading, because, you know, of course I'm me, so I don't read the 50 positive reviews. I read the three that are like one star, like, I don't get it, dude. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but this is boring. The dramatic pauses and just talking about nothing gets boring. I don't like it. So write, write me a review. I'm, sh- I'm still, uh, you know, well, it doesn't even matter because I'll never, nothing's going to push those one stars out of there. But your, your review would make me feel better. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting the show, uh, either by listening or by uh, being a Patreon patron. You guys uh, really are keeping the thing afloat. Uh, as, you know, we had kind of a dry year last year and apparently this year. So you are literally keeping the podcast going by supporting the show. And once again, I have come in here without the list in front of me of all the patrons to give a shout out to. So uh, Ursula is going to have to do it or the CEO of Jack Media, whoever's around. Hey, guys, who's can somebody can one of you guys turn on the mic in the other studio and read the thing, please? Thank you. Thank you to all our patrons, including Dave Jackson, Mike Hamilton, Harold Goldner, Flores, Tom Carroll, David Chase and Gerard Corchines, Chris Class, Scott Mercer, 
Rob Houston, Tom Ingram and Michael C. Rail. All our patrons help make the bitterest pill possible. Thank you, uh, all, one and all. Um, I was about to give you out a phone a phone number out, but I I don't have one. Actually, I do have a phone number if you wanted. But would you call me? Let me know if you'd call me. I'll give you the phone number. I have it online somewhere. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, next time we're going to talk about my bronchitis. Hopefully, not in too gross a detail, but there's just part of it that gets kind of weird. I definitely want to tell you about. Um, but until then, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, thank you so much for listening to The Bitter's Pill. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 